John chapter number 15. Let me just say this while you're turning there, that in a couple of weeks we'll be having our craft bake auction. And so beginning next week, back by the missions bulletin board, you'll find a table there. And that table will be there available for you to go ahead and start bringing some of those things in that you want to put in the craft bake auction. Again, remember this. Uh, we ask that we don't really need yard sale items, uh, new things, craft items, things along that. If you do have something that's brand new, uh, still in, you know, perhaps in wrappings or something like that, that would be, that would be fine as well. If you have any questions, you, you can um, call the church office and we will be happy to give you uh, directions uh, for that. If it's something uh, maybe larger than just some little small little item, definitely please call the church office and just make sure it's something that's going to fit in with what we're doing. Uh, we just don't, you know, want uh, four large dressers uh, that nobody's going to take and me and Pastor James have to haul them off to the dump, right? So uh, just uh, craft items and bake items. Some of you have won uh, uh, blue ribbons and red ribbons in first and second place over the last couple of years and some of our uh, contests that we've had at homecoming. Uh, maybe the Lord would lead you to, to bake a cake, a pie, a sticky buns, or nacho salad or something like that. And uh, hey, you never know. Uh, I've seen a, a, cake, a cake go for $85 at one point. And it's, you say, well, what are you going to do with the money? Well, the money goes towards missionary wives, amen? The WMF takes that money, and they put it all in a pot, and then at Christmas time, they buy little things, and they send out uh, little, small little gifts to missionaries all across the whole world. And then if a missionary is able to come visit us during the year, we give the missionary wives a little blessing. You see, usually the man is a missionary normally. Sometimes we support uh, women missionaries as well, but uh, oftentimes the wife is the forgotten one uh, because she is not the missionary, so to speak, although she is a missionary. And so so the missionary wives seek to uplift her just a little bit and, and give her a little small gift bag that they make and some uh, just a little bit of uh, maybe a love gift just for her to spend on her own self. So you come and give very generously. And here's the truth is we're going to um, be having a wonderful Thanksgiving meal that day. Amen. And so the, the day will be concluded with the auction and will be done uh, for the rest of the day. Well, if you found your place here in John chapter 15, let's stand as we give respect to the reading of God's Word, John 15. Begin reading, uh, begin reading just one verse, uh, uh, or I guess we should say we're going to read one verse, and that is uh, verse number uh, 13. John 15 and verse number 13. And by the way, as every time I turn to this chapter, my eyes immediately advert to verse number 16 because that is this pastor's life first. So let's read verse 13, and we'll go to the Lord uh, in a word of prayer. The Bible says this in John 15 and verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's read it again. Greater love hath, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heart and our knee before you this, this morning, Father, we are so thankful that we can be here today. We can gather in this warm church and we can gather together with the, uh, bound together by the shed blood of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. So, Father, I pray now for the preaching of thy word that, Lord, that 
as the Word of God is preached and taught this morning, Father, that it might find a special place deep inside each and every one of us. Oh, Father, help us to be just not hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word as well. Lord, be with those who can't be here. Some, Father, are not feeling well. We think of uh, one who's in the hospital. Father, we pray for him right now as he recovers. Father, I pray for those who are sick and just can't make it here. For the other ministries going on at this time, Lord, we pray that your blessings will be upon them as well as it is here this morning. So, Father, would you save the lost that are here? Strengthen the Christian. Father, meet every need that we have in each and every one of our lives. And, Father, when everything's said and done, we'll praise you and give you honor and glory, for nobody deserves it any more than thee. So we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago in our series that we've entitled Be the Church, we understood that we are to be a servant of Christ. And we saw that there's some inward qualities, some things that you and I are to be. Then we also saw some outward qualities, some things that we are to do. And I think the doing part becomes easy when we are the being part comes first in our life. So if you want to do, you have to be. Amen. If you'll be, then guess what? You have no problem with the doing as being a servant of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to continue in our series of be the church. We're going to see another metaphor of the Christian life, and that's simply this, being a friend to others. You say, being a friend to others. You know, a true friend is really a very, very precious treasure, and we have the opportunity to be that kind of friend to our friends. Now, some of you have friends, and some of you have acquaintances, amen? I sometimes say my friend, but I don't really mean they're my friend, but they're my acquaintances. So we have an opportunity to be a friend even to our acquaintances if we really, truly desire to do that. You see, Jesus himself is, is the greatest and most faithful friend that there ever was and ever will be. And when we extend that kind of friendship and love to others, we help our friends grow in their relationship with the Lord. That's why God gave us the ability to have friends and have acquaintances. I thought about this when my children were going up, Diana, and I told them, and I know you told your children this, to avoid the wrong crowd. When I was growing up, my parents told me that, and I thought, well, what's the wrong crowd, amen? They never told me what the wrong crowd was. So when my boys were growing up, I was very specific on who the wrong crowd was and the wrong kind of people. And we did that because as adults, we understood and know the power of a friend's influence. You say, well, yeah, we need to tell our children that. We need to tell our grandchildren that. But guess what? Sometimes you need to be reminded yourself, and I need to be reminded, even as adults, of the power of the influence of our friends, even as adults. Our closest friends ought to be chosen very carefully. That's why at some point in my life, I began to distinguish between acquaintances and friends. And those close friends need to be ones that sharpen us spiritually and literally don't drag us down. And I think too many times we choose our friends and they turn out to be ones that drag us down. We have to be aware of the influence we have upon our friends. You know, we talked earlier, just a few moments ago, about friends influencing us. But what about this? What about your influence upon your friends or your acquaintances? And we need to ask ourselves this question this morning. Am I the right kind of friend that Jesus would have me to be? Boy, what a great question that is. Well, notice, first of all, this morning... 
that a friend is encouraging and edifying. A friend is encouraging and edifying. You see, a true friend will do this. A true friend will lift you up when you're down. A true friend will help you and never hurt you. A true friend will encourage you and never discourage you. A true friend will edify you and not diminish you or bring you down. In principle, we might even say this, that a true friend uh, will help you become more of what you need to be rather than to pull you in the wrong direction. If your friends are pulling you in the wrong direction, whether you're a young person, a young adult, or an old person, or somewhere in the middle like myself, guess what? You're go- you, they're not really your friends. If they're causing you to be disobedient to God and His Word and His will for your life, guess what? Get rid of them. They're really not your friend. Well, a friend, number one, is encouraging. That word encourage means to inspire with hope. It means courage or confidence, uh, or sometimes we use this word to hearten someone. You know, all of us had times in our life, including myself, when I needed encouragement, I needed some inspiration, I needed some reasons to keep going. We live in a world and we trample in a in the world filled with the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we need inspiration, we need encouragement, we need a reason to keep going. And there's times when every one of us need encouragement uh, from us. I think one of the best tools that you and I can have as a born-again believer in Christ is to build others up with encouraging words. Proverbs 25 and verse 11 says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. The Proverbs 15 and verse 23 emphasizes the truth when it says this, A word spoken in due season, how good it is. I can think back of some encouraging words from my friends down through the years and even some encouraging words from those who weren't really my acquaintances and weren't really my friends, but God used them in a special way to be an encouragement to me. Let me illustrate it to this way. A number of years ago, there was a, a young freshman who just arrived at Bible college, and he traveled a long way from home, and in his room, he saw when he got there that his roommates had already checked in, and every bed and every dresser had already been claimed. Now, if you've ever been to a small Bible college, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. The only thing left was just a small couch for the young man. The man, feeling exhausted and feeling excluded, was ready to turn around and go home. And he was thinking, if they don't even have a bed for me, I don't need to be here. But before he could do that, before he could exit that room, one of his roommates came in, and this man was an upperclassman, and he came into the room and introduced himself. And realizing the predicament of the freshman just Uh, going into the Bible college, he offered up his friendship and his bunk to this young man. And the freshman not only stayed uh, for four years, but he graduated, and guess what? He's still serving uh, God today. Who knows uh, But how the course of his life may have been changed by just one little word of encouragement. And even more importantly, the word of encouragement early on in his life allowed him to be encouragement, no doubt, to literally thousands upon thousands of people as he ministered to them every day in the work and ministry of the Lord. I have a question for you this morning. I wonder, would you like to be the one who takes the time to encourage someone today? 
Listen, would you like to be the one that takes the time, that sets aside a time to be an encouragement to someone today? It can make a difference in their life. Listen, this world is filled with discouragement. A number of years ago, um, when I was uh, first saved and, and born again in, in England, when I was in the United States Air Force, uh, someone came to know Christ as their personal Savior, and my pastor said this, and I'll repeat this illustration because it bears repeating today. My pastor said this, all you wet blankets, stay away from them. Just stay away from them. You see, he didn't want anybody to come to discourage. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you got saved. But did you hear about this? Did you know this? Boy, they want us to soul when they want He said, stay away from them. Just stay away from them. And I think that's what we need to do. And we need to make a difference in people's lives by being an encouragement to them. There's some great men of the Bible that needed encouragement. You say, well, who are they? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Because notice, first of all, that Moses needed some encouragement. It was a battle between Israel and Amalek, and God used the support of Moses' friends to make a big difference. Uh, turn in your Bibles Exodus chapter number 17. It's not coming on the screen, so it won't be there. Exodus chapter 17, and look at verse 9 through verse number 12. We find that one of the greatest men... Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, I believe, was Moses. And we find that he, at a specific time in his life, he needed some encouragement. And notice in Exodus 17, verses 9 through 12. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. Thank God for some some good uh, men are willing to follow the leadership of the pastor. And the Bible said, and, 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 he, uh, and so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses. And Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and he took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You see, as the battle continued here, Moses got tired as he held his hands up. You say, why did he hold his hands up? He was appealing for the blessings of God. Moses is an older man at this point. His legs got tired, and they rolled a stone underneath him so he could sit down. And his hands began to get tired. And when he dropped his hands down, guess what? The enemy prevailed. And when he rose his hands back up again, Israel prevailed. And we find that Aaron and Hur understood this and knew that God was blessing him. And so what they did. Aaron and heard the Bible said stayed his hands or they held up his hands we could say that they supported his hands one had one hand one was on the right side one was on the left side the Bible said the hands were steady until the going down of the sun guess what happened we find that these two men of God they encouraged Moses in the battle I don't know what would have happened. I personally believe because of the way the text is laid out that if Moses had gotten so tired that his hands were down to his side that they would have been defeated right there. So we find that Moses' friends encouraged him with their support in the work of God. 
Then I find another man who needed encouragement. You see, you're not the only one who needs encouragement. There's people in the past, there's people here in the present that need your encouragement today. And, and your words fitly spoken, sometimes just your presence at a worship service is enough to encourage someone. You understand this morning that when the pastor looks out and he sees you, I get encouraged. You say, well, who am I? I don't know. Who am I? I'm nobody. You're nobody. But I get encouraged when you're here. And just seeing you in the worship service, I get encouraged. And so we find that uh, we all need encouragement. Another man that needed encouragement was a man by the name of David. David needed some encouragement. Think about uh, Saul. Saul was the king of Israel, and he was determined to wipe out all his competition for the throne, and David began to ran for his life. You remember the story that Saul had sinned against God, and God has told him that his kingdom was going to be taken away, and God was going to anoint someone else. And God, through a series of events, uh, that fell on uh, David. And David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, but he didn't, didn't take the throne immediately. But Saul knew uh, who was anointed to be the next king of the nation of Israel and began to turn against David, began to ran. So David ran for his life. But, but Jonathan, who was Saul's son, the Bible said he loved David. And the Bible in 1 Samuel 18 and verse number 1 said he loved David as his own soul. You say, well, what is that? He loved him as much as he, as he loved himself. And so I can't think of a greater really love than that. And even though Jonathan had the right to be the next king, he chose to be a friend of David. You see, Jonathan could have said, no, I'm going to be the next king. But he understood what God's will is in the line of succession for kings of the nation of Israel. God had anointed David, and he chose his friend rather than the right that he, he could have had. In 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16, we read this. Jonathan went to David, get this now, to strengthen his hand in God. So we find then that Jonathan sought his friend, sought him out, strengthened his hand in the Lord. Amen. So many times that you and I try to strengthen someone. We try to be a help to someone. We say, don't worry. It's going to be all right. Things are going to work out. But listen, that's not strength and that's not encouragement. They're idle words and it may be true and it may not be true. Our strength ought to come and our encouragement ought to come from God himself and his wonderful word that you and I have today. So I want to encourage you to strengthen their hand in the Lord from the word of God. You know, sometimes the, the best thing that we can do is give our friends encouragement is to strengthen them in the hand of God. I want you to do that. Strengthen them in the hand of God. Well, notice a third group that needed a little bit of encouragement this morning, and that was the disciples, the disciples. If you think about the disciples of our, our, our Lord, uh, no doubt they needed some encouragement. See, Jesus' disciples experienced a wide range of emotions as they followed Christ. Think about the times when uh, the feeding of the 5,000, boy, they were excited. Think about when he healed the, the maniac of Gadara. Think about when Lazarus came out of the tomb. There were some exciting times. They're up high on the mountaintop. But what about the times when Jesus was rejected and he, and he had to leave and sometimes flee, even flee uh, for his very life? So there was emotional highs, but there was also some emotional lows. And Jesus' disciples experienced a wide range of emotion as they followed Jesus Christ, just like you do in every day of your life. But listen, 
Jesus oftentimes used words to encourage them in God's faithfulness and God's love to them. And that's our example. That's what we ought to do. Encourage them in God's love and God's faithfulness. Words like this Jesus spoke in John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believed in God, believe also in me. How about Matthew 7 and verses 7 and 8. Ask and it shall uh, give it unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Listen, my friend, they are words of faithfulness. They are words of love. They are words of encouragement. The disciples needed encouragement. Unless we leave off our wonderful Savior, understand as the God-man, Jesus Christ himself, even at times, needed encouragement. Think about hours before sacrificing his life on the cross of Calvary. Jesus was agonizing in prayer in the garden of, of Gethsemane. In fact, he agonized so much in Luke 22 and verse 44, we find these words where Jesus prayed so earnestly, his sweat was that were great drops of blood. But just prior to that, in verse 43, we find these words, because in verse number uh, 42, we find that Jesus begins to pray in the garden. And then in verse 43, we find these words, and then there appeared an angel unto him in heaven, strengthening him. Jesus needed encouragement. Jesus needed strengthening. And I wish we had time to look at this passage in really great detail today, but we simply don't. Suffice to say this, that God the Father could have strengthened the human nature of Jesus Christ should he have chosen to do that. He could have just gave him that strength. Think about this, even without using uh, that angel that came to strengthen Christ. Christ could have strengthened himself, remember, by his divine nature. He willingly, uh, by the kenosis of Christ, willingly let go of some of his divine attributes as far as the things that he did. So he could have strengthened himself. God the Father could have strengthened him, but yet God the Father sent an angel to minister to him. Think about this now. The Lord of creation as a man, the Bible said, was made lower than the angel on three different occasions, two in the book of Hebrews, and was ministered to by them. Think about this. The man who created angelic beings was ministered to, um, to, uh, to himself by them. Just think about that and go meditate upon that for just a moment. And as you'll study this passage, you'll find that the angel came and strengthened Jesus Christ even before that earnest prayer in verse 44. And I thought about that. That ought to be an encouragement to me. That ought to be an encouragement to you, knowing that God can provide strength, knowing that God can provide encouragement even before you absolutely need it. Well, how can we apply this truth to our life? Well, I think simply this. We need to determine to be a friend who is an encourager. You and I, as we leave these doors in just a few moments, need to determine in our heart that I am going to be an encourager. Look for those who may need your encouragement. Speak encouraging words to someone who needs it. Well, we see that a friend is someone who is encouraged. We noticed lastly, and then we'll be done, a friend is edifying as well. That word edifying means to instruct, especially as to encourage intellectually, morally, or spiritual 
improvements. That word edifying comes from a Latin word that means to build. So we need to allow God to use us to build our friends into what God would have them to be and help them to grow in their intellect and their moral and spiritual growth. I think about the book of Esther in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And it's an account of God's sovereignty to take care of his people and the extraordinary courage of Queen Esther. Think about this. After Haman had tricked the king into ordering the destruction of all the Jews, God used Esther to turn the king's heart to change the sentence and allowing the Jews to destroy all their enemies, even including the one who sought out to destroy the Jews by the man by the name of Haman. You see, Esther's bravery might not have ever been shown to you and I. We might have never known about Esther's bravery if it hadn't been for her older cousin, a man by the name of Mordecai, who spoke words of encouragement and words of edification to the queen. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou should escape the king's house more than all thy Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargements and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Basically, he said this. He said, you're not going to be exempt from this, but if you don't do this, God's going to raise someone else to take care of the Jewish nation. He says, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And whoso knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Just when Queen Esther thought that her job was an impossible job, we find that Mordecai shared with her a great spiritual principle, and that is found in verse number 14. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? You see, a godly friend has the power really just to increase the effectiveness of another through the words of edification. And that's why God desires for you and I to share his word in this area of edification and lifting up other believers. In Proverbs 27 and verse 17, we find these words, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You see, when you sharpen a knife or you sharpen a chainsaw, it increases the effectiveness of it. And one of the best things that you can do for a friend is to help them become a better person. You see, what kind of better person do they need to be? A better person intellectually, a better person morally, a better person spiritually. King Solomon said in Proverbs 27 and verse 9, anoint and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Understand this, that, that you and I are to give counsel to those who need to be edified and uplifted. Well, I think of this, that Jesus Christ consistently edified his disciples. You say, well, how did he did that? He did that through his examples, he did it through his words, and he did it through the works that he performed, uh, the world that he walked in, and the world where he purposed to do a great work for God. His purpose was for them to carry on the work of God, and do that in the power of the Holy Spirit of God after he ascended to the Father. So Jesus was preparing them to do a great and mighty work after his ascension to the Father. And his total goal for those 12 disciples and for others as well was to help them grow. In 2 Peter verse 3 and 
chapter 3 and verse 18, we find these words. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, a true friend will do whatever it takes to help someone grow in the process. So here's the million-dollar question as we close. Do your friends help you grow in that process? Do you help others grow in their process to be made more like Christ? Not only is a friend encouraging, but a friend ought to be edifying. Thank God for a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, which is none other than Jesus Christ. Because that's who enables us and the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to be that kind of friend. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord, for the preciousness of your truth. Oh, Father, I pray you'll help us to understand this fact that a friend does encourage and a friend does edify. Father, I pray that as we would think about our own personal lives this morning, may our words and works and actions, Father, be ones that encourage, be ones that edify. Oh, Father, if not this morning, I pray, Father, for those who need to come before